Welcome to Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. However, I believe there is a more immediate threat. Thousands and thousands of feet of film consumed. Hours and hours of work expended by technicians. And once it's been erased and shredded, it can be done all over again. As all of you know, I've devoted much of my life to convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Triple Threat Theater, episode 47, not your average princess. Hi, my name is Ryan Miller. I'm Joe Daxberger. If only I could sing as good as the heavenly voiced Milzy. <laughs> a song to introduce a series of musicals. I mean, there's no better way to open this episode, quite <laughs> frankly. I mean, you've done us right once again. <laughs> so not your average princess, the theme of this episode. Indeed. Uh, why don't you lay out the lineup we have? Oh. Don't mind if I do. Millsy, we got 1998's Mulan. Mm-hmm. 2009's The Princess and the Frog. Mm-hmm. And 2016's Moana. Yes. So, if it's not 100% clear, the uh, idea here being that um, these are all obviously Disney princess films, but none of them are about Caucasian blue-eyed princesses. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of other non-white princesses out there, such as Jasmine, but she's not mm-hmm. really the lead of her film, and these are all films about the princess in question. Mm-hmm. Although, Indeed. well, I mean, they make a joke right at the expense of the whole concept of the Disney princess movie in Moana, but Moana's not really a princess, and honestly, Tiana isn't really either. No. Is Mulan? I mean, Mulan's not really a princess either. She's not like royalty. Yeah, actually, uh, my darling Megan came up with this episode way back when, when we were. Uh, I mean, this was number twenty-seven. Yeah, so, it was early. Yeah, it's pretty early, and she had. Well, she's not quite ready to make her radio debut. Much she to didn't. the disappointment of the <laughs> listening audience, I'm sure, but well, also your co-host. I mean, we have talked of having letter writing campaigns, so she, it could be the next one to. Get her on the show. I mean, so. if that's what it's going to take, uh, we've never actually written a letter based on any of our letter writing <laughs> campaigns, but right. I will write a letter to Megan if that'll get her on the okay. show. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'll I'm break out the right quill. Most, most likely, yes. Oh, I, I'll forget it if it's actual snail mail. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that girl loves getting stuff in the mail, Millsy. What'd you think I meant? Like a, like a chain letter on uh, via email? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, that girl loves getting mail. You want me to send so. a telegram? You know, her whole family going way back of the been a family that does a lot of uh, giving and receiving of cards. So that's right up her alley. So, <laughs> I Mills, you know what to do. That's what we're getting. So. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah. This, so this was uh, basically her idea. I think even her thinking was just since these are, um, even though they're in like three separate decades, they are kind of like the, a little bit of like the post princess kind of time. Of when, like, we were younger with, like, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, like, that round of Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And then 
like these none of these characters are like the conventional princess at all in background and look so that was her thinking well i was just thinking like little mermaid ariel is the daughter of king triton so she is a princess Mm-hmm. Belle in Beauty and the Beast becomes one when did, does she get married to the Beast at the end? I don't remember, but he is like a prince. I I don't remember. Either. He's like the cursed prince. So, and Tiana does hook up with Prince Naveen and Princess and the Frog. So she's technically a prince, princess, princess. Uh, <laughs> she's technically but, a princess, but she basically like saves the prince. So it it you know it turns it on its ear a little bit. So, well, like, Mulan's not royalty, and then at the end of the movie, it's insinuated that she's getting together with the captain or the general or whatever. The general, she's, yep. Yeah, so she's not technically a princess, and then mm-hmm. Moana isn't really either. I mean, in as much as she's the daughter of, like, the leader of her tribe or whatever, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that's exactly the same thing. Regardless, the whole idea here being these are, like, you know, your quote-unquote Disney princess movies with... With a twist. Yeah, with uh, some more diverse types of quote-unquote princesses than maybe some of the earlier Disney canon. Mm-hmm. So, I am a fan of Disney in a general sense, in as much as I've enjoyed their movies and things since I was a kid and still do. I'm not one of those people who, you know grows out of it i guess i still like a lot of the pixar stuff and i still can easily go back and enjoy watching some of like the the movies from when i was a kid and disney as a corporation and what all that entails i don't really feel the desire to get into but uh, just as a a Mm. fan of their output uh for sure i am one same and uh i had seen moana and princess and the frog before uh, Mulan is one of the ones that had escaped me until now. So that was a first time watch for me. How about you? Interesting. Let's see. Moana, I saw in the theater with Megan. That was in like the, the first year of us dating. It's one of the movies, like one of the early movies like we saw and loved together in the theater. Uh, Princess and the Frog. I knew I was very aware. It was kind of like the last, like traditionally done animated Disney movie. Never saw it. Probably could have like picked tiana out of a lineup is like oh she's the one from princess and the frog that's basically all i knew about i didn't know the setting other characters nothing mulan was kind of same thing one i had missed it was kind of like it came out when i was in high school and i wasn't like actively i think like watching a ton of like the disney animated stuff there's a whole whole string of later on disney movies like post lion king basically that i missed that i still have to see yeah but in a, in addition to that, though, I did end up watching Mulan. Like we watched it together a few months back. You and, and Megan, I just not, not you and I, right? Uh, me and Megan watched it because I was kind of just the anticipation of like I figured I'd end up seeing the Mulan live action movie. So I think one night I was kind of just like, well, let's watch the animated one, and then whenever the time comes to watch the live action, I will have seen it. So. Mm-hmm. Just like I said, a few months back. So, right on. I'm kind of actually in the same boat as you. What you mentioned about the post Lion King movies. I mean, I've seen some stuff here and there. I've seen Pocahontas, which came after the Lion King. But there's a fair number of movies in there that I've missed. But uh, I mean, when we were kids, we were in like that prime. It's like it's it's so well regarded as like an actual disney renaissance that like early like late 80s through 
mid to late nineties time period that there, I discovered there's actually a Wikipedia page about it. Oh, <laughs> with like all the ins and outs, basically starting with little mermaid and running up through, uh, like the end of the two thousands with like, uh, Pocahontas, Mulan, mm. uh, Tarzan, some of those. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that was like, that was a good time to be a kid who enjoys those kind of movies because I have fond memories of rewatching Little Mermaid, The Rescuers Down Under, Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, all on those like big, fat, white, puffy uh, oh, Disney VHS box right, releases. Right, yes. The clamshells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are all the, always the ones that I've... Uh, held near and dear but uh yeah mulan i'd been meaning to get to for a while and you know just took this as with so many things as with so many movies like uh i want to watch them and then until i quote unquote have to (laughs) i I never do but we go on and on i mean i don't think there was any time where i was like you know i know i gotta see princesses and the frog but i don't know when i'm gonna sit down and do it Mm -hmm. so that's why sometimes you need a podcast (laughs) put that on a shirt Sometimes you need a podcast. <laughs> yeah, this, our merch game is going to be uncontrollable one of these days. I don't know how much else more there is to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can dig right in, baby. Shall we dive right into uh, Mulan from 1998? Please. Based on a story, I wasn't sure, like, I always just assumed that this was some kind of, like, historical fable or maybe inspired by true events or something. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised to find that it's not. It, it does have its origins in a Chinese poem called The Song of Fa Mulan, but oh, okay. this film... I thought is, it was, like, a folktale or something, but... Yeah, and again, like, it's, it's like, there's elements from this poem... I don't know exactly how well it's adapted into this movie, but it goes through a middleman of a story by a children's book author named Robert D. Sansucci. Uh, uh-huh. Apologies if I've mispronounced that. But um, he was like the inspiration for the filmmakers uh, to turn this into a movie. And he, in turn, based his book on, or his story on that poem that I mentioned. Oh, okay. All right. So... Essentially, for anybody who doesn't know, um, takes place in China. You know, at the time, essentially women were expected to just, uh, you know, be quiet 
learn to take care of a man, etc., and find like a respectable husband. And um, in typical Disney princess fashion, Mulan is more of a tomboy and uh, doesn't really want anything to do with the classic standards of her society. And uh, so the Hun are invading and uh, the Chinese government basically comes around and says that every family has to send one male member uh, into the war effort. And because he has a daughter, Mulan's father, who has been crippled by an injury from a previous conflict that he was a part of in the military, uh, is like the only man in his family who can serve and Mulan feeling bad for her father and not really wanting to fulfill the role in society that everybody expects her to, mm-hmm. decides to cut her hair, dress in clothing that will hide her figure, and steal her father's conscription and go off to war in his place so that he doesn't have to suffer. Right. And that is Mulan. Mm-hmm. Most of that I could have told you without having ever seen the movie. It's all the stuff with like Mushu the dragon and I didn't even know there was a cricket sidekick and like where the actual story goes from there that I couldn't have told you. Oh, cricket sidekick. I was reading that apparently the cricket, uh, the people like the big head honchos at Disney were not a fan of the idea of the cricket and felt that like the, sh- the movie already had enough sidekicks between Mushu and the horse and like all the kind of bumbling trio of other soldiers and everything already, but uh, mm-hmm. just through, like, force of will, a couple of people working on the movie kept on, like, forcing him in there until finally they accepted him and put him in the movie. But uh, as I was watching the movie, I did keep thinking to myself, what, like, what does the cricket have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm team cricket, just because. <laughs> like, apparently crickets are somehow considered lucky in Chinese culture, and that was, like, the whole impetus behind his introduction in the movie is that, you know, when Mulan goes to see the matchmaker, is it her grandmother gives her mm-hmm. like a cricket or right. so- somebody gives her a cricket for good luck. And then the cricket just never leaves and is there the whole movie for no real good reason. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least he's not talking. <laughs> That's true. Him and the horse don't talk. Eddie Murphy does enough of that for everybody. Totally. Yeah. So initial thoughts, uh, what, how much of a fan were you before and uh, how did you feel this time around? I, it's kind of one of those ones I always figured, like, I think what, Lion King's 94-ish, I believe. Years, I out. couldn't exactly tell you. I think it's somewhere around there. So I always had a feeling, like, just with, uh, if there's any kind of, I thought it was a little more, like, action-orientated. So I was, like, kind of curious. I was, like, I have a feeling, like, I might like that. You know, again, it's being, like, a few years after Lion King. Lion King, to me, is always just, like, the such, like, a prime example of that great animation style so i just like i have a feeling it's gonna look good it's gonna be fun i'm not like really i don't know if we how much we've gotten into i'm not necessarily consider myself like a musical guy but like i don't like dislike them either it's just not something like i'll actively go for but you can't really like deny in disney movies that it's always going to be a part of it Mm -hmm. Um, it's something with a movie like this that i kind of want like i mean yeah it's like it's expected and it's like i would never like shy away from it so mm -hmm. Especially, like, when I first saw it, like, a couple months back. And then I do actually remember at the time, like, a random thought about it was because I remember when it was coming out. And then, like, when I was in 98, I was, like, 16. I was, like, in high school. And I remember, like, 
all like the boy bands and like Christina Aguilera were like a big thing. And she has a song in this movie. So I can like remember that from mm-hmm. it without actually ever seeing it. So it's funny. Like I watched the movie, didn't even, didn't know as trivia that Christina Aguilera had a song in the film. I didn't like sit and watch the credits or anything after the movie, but didn't realize until I was like reading trivia about the film after the fact that she mm-hmm. had a yeah. song in it. And, uh, as an anecdote about her, her song "Reflection" for the film was so re- was so well received that it landed her a recording contract at RCA Records. Right. So that's kind of how she got her start in like, like pop big, music, yeah, I guess. It's like a big break. Yeah. So, so I mean, that was like random anecdote I know from when we were younger, but um, like overall, I mean, there's like no denying. Like, I think it's like a lot of charm. It looks great. It's fun. It's got a good story. Great cast. I mean, it's got a great villain. You know, I feel like we're getting to villains in every mo- each of the movies tonight. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stand in for Genghis Khan. As voiced by, do you know who? I know it's um, it's my guy from RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, Miguel Ferrer. Right, right. <laughs> from RoboCop. Uh... Previously, in our first episode of Triple Threat Theater, he was in Deep Star ah, Six. True. He's the one who uh, experiences explosive decompression when he takes <laughs> a a like escape pod without uh, yep. decompressing first. Yeah, he's like a, he's the abrasive jerk of uh, Deep Star Six. Yeah, <laughs> classic. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I mean, all around, I enjoy it. It's a good time. I mean, we're gonna. I mean, we've had our other. Art of the Sword animation episode, and you know we kind of wax poetic about animation, mm-hmm. and um, it's like always going to have a soft spot, even CG like Moana or traditional like this and Princess and the Frog. But I mean, it's that it's that eye candy, baby. You hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel you. Uh, it was it was kind of weird actually watching this for the first time. With it's not like this has been at the top of my list of things to do for a long time watching this movie, but just for years and years and years, it's always been in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, I got to see that one of these days. And Mm -hmm. then like, I could have told you, like I didn't know any of the songs before going into the movie or anything. I knew the basic setup. Like I said, I knew that Eddie Murphy played the dragon sidekick character, but it was just kind of a weird feeling sitting down and watching not a new Disney uh, animated movie, but one from this particular era that I'd just never seen before. Right. It was just, it was just like I don't even know how to describe it but it was just like kind of surreal. Oh yeah. I will say that uh it I don't this is another thing I don't really know how to describe. These movies are typically like between an hour and a half, 2 hours, like around an hour and 45 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. It felt like it flew by. Like it almost felt like it was a beginning and an end with no middle. I'm not saying that in like a derogatory way. Just like right. All of a sudden, it felt like the movie was at the climax, and I was like, "Man, where did what happened? Where did this go?" It's like, because um, I can, I'll back you up on that because it makes sense to me. Because it's almost like there's big set pieces. I mean, like I said, I just watched this the first time a few months back, and I watched it again two nights ago. So there are like big, like there's a big, you know, the opening scene, Mulan's village. Then it's a tr- long training scene, basically. Then there's the battle in the, the mountains. mountains. And then the ending. <laughs> and then the ending. So it's, it's like, like four sequences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was thinking the same thing. 
because I just watched it again a few months ago. I was like, I was looking forward to certain things. I was like, oh yeah, the part in the mountains is great. I mean, I really like the climax. And then I was like, damn. I was like, those really scenes go right into each other. Plus, I had watched the live action like mm. recently, mm-hmm. which changes a lot and but does have things from the animated movie. Yeah. But yeah, when those two scenes go right into each other, I was like, I was like, I can't believe this is the ending already. Yeah, the thing for me is like I guess that was it was the same thing, like where okay, so they've had their training and then they mm-hmm. go and they get into that battle up on the mountain and then that feels like it would be i don't know middle of the second act or something but right. it dives right in like they go from the mountain you cut smash cut to like the the big capital city or whatever where the climax yeah. takes place it's almost like the first like i would expect the training to be act 1 but the training is essentially act 2 like act 1 is her like back at her home and like, like the whole the setup uh, yeah yeah, like her, you know, cutting off her hair and running off to war thing and the matchmaking and all of that. Yeah, but not a lot of screen time. No. And then I guess uh, the uh, like there's a fair amount of material in the training in the middle. But yeah, it just it had a weird feeling where when it was over, I was like, man, that went by in no time flat. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know that the movie was like over an hour and a half, but I just don't know where the time went. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it doesn't feel like it's lacking in any way. Mm-hmm. It's just like longer scenes. I mean, getting into it, like I think, I don't know, I'd imagine you feel the same way about the mountain battle scene, but it's awesome. Yeah, that's a cool and scene. It's like quite a big like set piece. Yeah, I liked all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I would say like, you know, when you get to these kind of movies, it's the kind of thing you don't really recognize when you're younger. But as an adult, it uh, there's a lot of tropes that go into these movies. And Oh, for sure. I've spoken I mean, before about tropes and how I think that they're a good thing. And uh I We're have pro trope around here. Yeah. And uh put that on a shirt. <laughs> pro trope. <laughs> <He's down. laughs> You're gonna have a uh triple threat shirt for every day of the month. Oh man, it'd be great. But uh you know, the like one of the ones that you can't help but notice is what I already mentioned that pretty much all of the Disney princess movies, it's about like uh strict traditional parents. Or just the strict traditional society and then the girl wanting to, you know, play to the beat of her own drum. And that's Mm -hmm. like a good message, Uh, something that, you know, you hope that there's enough other stuff about the movie, like good visuals and interesting characters and like fun action or musical number sequences to take your mind away from the fact that the bones of the premise is pretty much the same thing you've seen a ton of times before. Right. And I think that this largely, largely uh, accomplishes that. Uh, The simple fact that I think this is like, I mean, there's plenty of Disney movies with action in them, but this one actually being about a war is something that I don't think another Disney movie that comes to mind for me really tackles. No, I think it was after this one. I guess like Atlantis would probably be the only thing like that's more like action oriented, mm-hmm. which is even though that's not even like a traditional, certainly not princess movie. So yeah, but yeah, I'm with you on that. One of the things that like the trope of the sidekick, like animal characters, that's something I fully expect. I anticipate and look forward to hmm. what I will say that I feel like is maybe a little bit of a negative on that mm-hmm. is that 
Robin Williams as the genie was so perfect and so successful that yep. Mushu feels like they're just trying to do that all over again, and it doesn't land fully for me. I wish Mushu was not in the movie. <laughs> I like the idea of that character and their story with, like, Mushu isn't really respected by the other, like, mm-hmm. elders or animal gods or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> and right. he's trying to redeem himself by helping her on her journey. I wouldn't have minded that, but... It's the fact that they tried to pick somebody else with like a big personality, like big name comedian, just like Robin Williams, who's like known for being loud and zany. And then he's another character that has like weird little magical elements to him where he like just like zip zops around and he's basically the genie all over again. But right. Like, that's the thing that I don't love about him is uh, he just feels like a sad attempt at copying Robin Williams as the genie. And just in like, as I'm watching, like, I find him, I mean, there's plenty of, this is an attack on Eddie Murphy, plenty of Eddie Murphy movies I love. Um, I've never seen any of the Shreks, so I can't Hmm. uh, speak for his other voice actings, but... uh, just doesn't do it for me. Like you said, it's kind of shrill. It's loud. It's just like too abrasive. It feel it feels like tacked on. It felt like, you know, uh, executive note was this needs the, like don't you dare don't put the uh, sidekick character in here. And then they want to see. I'm uh, I'm go pro cricket, pro horse. Neither of them talking. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean that uh, Mushu just character and the performance just don't ruin it for me by any means, but. Certainly could leave it out and I'd be. Yeah, not ideal. Like, I much preferred just the the three kind of soldier sidekick characters. Totally. As, like, supporting characters to run. I mean, by the time you get to the action and it's like Mushu's there, the cricket's there, the horse is there, and these three other guys are there, it's just, like, a lot of hangers on for Mulan. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the cricket, like, almost feels inconsequential. Like, you could take him out and it wouldn't really hurt anything. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily mind that he's there because he doesn't hurt anything. The horse, you know, doesn't have as much personality. They don't spend as much time with it. It's more of a utility thing. Like, this is Mm -hmm. her vehicle. This is how she gets around. Right. So, yeah, I feel like Mushu is where you really expect that, like, Sebastian and Little Mermaid character, or you know. uh, Oh, without a doubt. That, like, Mushu is supposed to be that kind of character. But again, I feel like there's a version of Mushu that I could dig in the movie, but just like trying to make him Robin Williams again, I feel like was a fail. Yeah, I I'll back you up. But I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, again, does not a ruining factor by any means, but mm-hmm. doesn't add enough for me to even have existence. Visually, I love the villain Shan Yu. Oh. He's super cool, and that decision to make his eyes black with the yellow mm-hmm. circle pupil things is just like yep. such a simple way to make him so creepy looking. Oh, yeah. I mean, a thing I love with cartoons, Disney and like kind of all like good cartoons, it's like it's part of like the idea is like you have to make these characters simple because they're going to be drawn a thousand times and someone's going to animate this, so don't overcomplicate them. So you give them like a strong silhouette. Mm-hmm. And like, again, strong, interesting, you know, like little attributes. So it's like, yeah, give the guy black eyes with yellow pupils. I mean, instantly makes him evil. Yeah. Big imposing frame, you know, the hair, 
Mm-hmm. The little must I mean, the mustache, everything. It's like perfect. Yeah. Great he, character design in this movie. And Love he's it. another one who doesn't ha- honestly have, I feel, a ton of screen time, a, co- a ton of character development, but... Uh, he pushes the entire plot, but yeah, I mean, his actual like minutes on screen. Yeah, he's in the opening scene to foreshadow everything, and then I feel like you don't see a ton of him again until right about the time that the mountaintop fight happens. Like, he, I'm sure there's yeah. one or two cutaway scenes with him doing shit, but not a ton. No, I mean, he's. I mean, I like him too. He's he, he's into falconry. <laughs> you know, I love that, Milsey. So. Yeah. I mean, the bad guy's got to have his sidekick, too, so he's got a bird. Totally. Big fan of the James Hong character, who's like the, uh, he's kind of put in charge of making sure that the new kind of untested young general is uh, preparing Mm -hmm. his troops properly. Mm -hmm. He's Chifu, who I guess he's like the right-hand man of the emperor. Yeah, at some point, yeah, because he, when he first shows up, he's with the Emperor when they're first doing, like, the announcements for, um, you know, a member, a man from each family mm-hmm. who's going to join. He he feels like he could, like, he could be a Jafar kind of character, but mm-hmm. he's not, like, explicitly evil. Like, he's right. a little bit misguided and yeah, judgmental. He's a dirtball, but, but he's not a bad guy, necessarily. Yeah, he's, like, innocent enough that he can still be fun and... Mm-hmm. I love him. I love the vocal performance of James Hong. Yeah. I mean, James Hong is a—he's the man. Yeah, and fun fact, I believe, like I haven't gone through and looked at every cast member for every movie we've done on every episode, <laughs> but I think we have a new reigning triple threat champion oh. of the actor we've watched the most times for the show. Come on. Because before, I think, because of the episode devoted to him, it was Al Pacino. Because we had Frankie and Johnny, Scent of a Woman, and City Hall, plus The Devil's Advocate from a previous show. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen Al around these parts recently. No. But James Hong, coming out of the blue, like the last two seasons uh, of Triple Threat, Blade Runner, Colossus the Forbin Project, Tank Girl, The Shadow, and Mulan. Damn. Five movies. I mean, so to my knowledge, he's the front runner. <laughs> so I love it. Uh, James Hong, love to see I him. mean... Anytime I can shout out Lopan, I'm gonna. <laughs> so, other notable members of the cast: uh, Pat Morita is the emperor. Yeah, emperor's a great, got a great look too. Like mm-hmm. I said, I love all the character design in this, but the emperor's got like that long, like triangular mustache. <laughs> He's all tall. I love it. George Takei is like the head ancestor in like the oh yeah when they're they they they're kind of like force ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, he's yeah. the one who, like, uh, you know, summons um, mm-hmm, Mushu. Mm-hmm. One of the only other ones I recognize, obviously there's Miguel Ferrer, Hedy Murphy, is uh, Harvey Firestein, oddly, as the the short kind of temperamental uh, soldier sidekick character. Right. Who, I mean, y- you can recognize him by his voice from a mile away. I mainly know him from Miss Doubtfire and Independence Day. I was going to say, for me, it's Independence Day, just because I've seen that. I mean, I've seen Mrs. Doubtfire, of course. But, yeah. But um, he's the guy whose his voice is just like this. Yeah. He's got to save his mother on Independence <laughs> Day. <laughs> My mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be kind of a that guy actor, too. I never, I didn't know his name until three minutes ago when you first mentioned it. So. Uh, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, definitely that guy actor. Uh, B.D. Wong is the speaking role of Captain Lee Shang, the love interest. But uh, right. this one took me by surprise. Totally. Donny Osmond is the singing voice of the same character. Like, how that happened? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Kind of interesting, but... Um, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, how could I forget? Um, the lead, Mulan. Oh, well, Ming-Na Wen. Ming-Na yeah. Wen, who the first time, like I'd seen her obviously in things before, but the first time I ever like took notice, knew who she was, was agents of shield, which she plays Melinda may kind of like the quiet badass on that show. Mm-hmm. I only watched the first season, but you know, it was around for like seven seasons or whatever. And then I remember seeing like people posting online memes and stuff about how like, she like never ages and like right. that's when I first realized like, oh man, she's been around like acting for a while, had no clue she was in Mulan, was surprised to learn she was Chun Li in the Street Fighter oh, live action I mean, movie. Yeah. I mean, like thinking back, like, yeah, I knew her from that for sure. Yeah. Like I, I had seen that, like so visually I knew her, but like I never put the pieces together that it was the same person. Yeah. But She's in a bunch of stuff now. It definitely feels like uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of helped put her back on the map, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. And uh, so a lot of the characters had uh, other people do the singing, which I think is kind of typical for the Disney yeah. animated movies. But um, the same actress, Leah Salonga, who did the singing for Mulan, was also Jasmine in Aladdin. Oh, okay. Which I never would have guessed. But uh... mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting things about this movie. Um Disney approached Richard Dreyfus and Joe Pesci to both play Mushu. <laughs> okay. Even just the two of them, nothing alike. Uh, and then you end up on Eddie Murphy, kind of strange. Right, right. Uh, apparently, Bruce Willis was at one time cast as Lee Shang, the B.D. Wong role. Oh. So can you imagine Bruce Willis doing the spoken dialogue for that character, and then when he sings, he sounds like Donny Osmond? <laughs> that would have been fascinating but i guess they wouldn't have needed that because bruce willis does sing he's uh his like alter ego persona is bruno and he like used to be in a band did you know that no yeah um there's a hilarious old commercial that he and his band did for uh like um wine coolers or something that you can find online it's stop hilarious (laughs) wow like before he was famous no like during his fame like, I feel like early-ish in his fame, but, you know, he people would have known who he was. Like, I think post-Die Hard, he was still doing it. Man. Yeah, look it up. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Hey, me, Look here. Seagulls. Golden wine cooler. Seagulls. Golden wine cooler. His wedding is dry. Golden wine cooler. Mama, mama. that down and uh the first choice for mulan herself was tia carrere but uh they apparently the filmmakers were not happy with her low voice when she was pretending to be a man so Mm. they went a different direction then she went to wayne's world too (laughs) yeah no it's probably before this so this was the first film 
Uh, first full feature animated film produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation Florida. Oh. Uh, that studio opened in 1989 with around 40 to 50 employees to make shorts and featurettes. And then because of how popular Disney animated feature films were in the early 90s, they were cranking out stuff like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and The Lion King one after the other. And so they started farming out work to the Florida branch. And then after they came through for them so many times, they basically said, hey, you guys down there, uh, pick your project, do whatever you want. And then they built them a new building and added like 400 employees to the animation team. Damn. And uh, I think it was directors Barry Cook and or, or no. Yeah. 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 Barry Cook and Tony Bancroft decided that they wanted to do this Mulan story based on the the children's story that I mentioned earlier. So I thought that was kind of cool. All right. All right. The crowd simulation software Attila and Dynasty were both created by the production team for this film for like the big like battle scene on the mountain right. with all the villains and for the uh, the crowd scenes at the uh, like the temple at the end. Yeah. It looks pretty good. Like you can mm-hmm. kind of tell. You can tell there's something up, but I mean, it, it all fits yeah. pretty well. Uh, it looks good. I wasn't like scoffing yeah, as those scenes so. happen. They also created a software called Foplane, which I don't exactly understand what this means, but it adds depth to flat two-dimensional paintings. Apparently, it was a big help in the scene at the very beginning on the Great Wall of China. Mm, Something to do with, like, making it look three-dimensional as it, like, went into the distance or whatever. But, yeah, they they created a lot of stuff just to make this movie happen. That's cool. Jackie Chan did the voice of Li Shang in the Chinese version and also released a music video for the song I'll Make a Man Out of You from the movie. Oh, damn. I was going to say, you got to be singing in there. <laughs> so I watched it yesterday. Uh, oh. You can see it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, there's not a whole lot to it. It's a lot of footage of the movie and then like cutaway shots to Jackie doing like uh, kung fu moves that kind of mimic the stuff that you see in the film. Mm-hmm. And then just shots of him standing there staring into the camera and singing. Oh, okay. But uh, I thought that was pretty funny, you know, considering we just did Jackie Chan recently. Mm -hmm. This I thought was curious. Um, Disney had recently before this released the movie Kundun, which is about the Dalai Lama. And I don't know enough about this to really explain it fully, but I know that like different parts of China and like Buddhist religions and things, there's like some weirdness going on uh, where certain areas don't care for it and are like offended by it and stuff like that. And so the Chinese government was none too pleased with Disney after the release of Kundun, which they apparently found offensive. And uh, so Disney was hoping that this movie and its representation of Chinese culture would help smooth things over with the Chinese government. Okay. And apparently at the time, 
China only, I don't know if it was from America or from the entire rest of the world, would only import 10, mil, 10 movies for theatrical release every year. And so for a while there, Disney wasn't even sure if their movie about China would be shown in China. <laughs> but then uh, they did accept it and show it in theaters, but they specifically, China specifically waited to show it in theaters after the end of that year so that it so that uh, for like the awards season china's own films would be represented mm. over like the american import jeez which i thought was kind of weird yeah but and then apparently the movie didn't perform like super well in china whether mm. it was like the time of year or just people weren't super interested i guess lion king did like gangbusters there oh yeah and so disney was like concerned with losing their foothold in china i feel like that would have been everywhere the lion king. yeah probably This movie was, it was rated G, but it was almost given a PG rating. And do you know why? I do, only because I did see this factoid, which is kind of crazy, kind of ridiculous. Yeah, because they use the term cross-dresser in the movie, which I'll admit did make me perk up when I heard it. Like, oh, (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. Right. Not that I think they, you know, purposefully used it in a really offensive way or anything like that but uh well just that that's what it would change an entire rating is like just factors into how ridiculous the rating system is Mm -hmm. and then i i kind of forgot about this until i was reading about it but uh you know at the time mcdonald's had a uh, promotion with mulan and in addition to eight happy meal toys they also released their szechuan sauce oh which i mean do you know the whole thing with rick and morty about this i don't (laughs) So the season oh, three premiere. That's what that's from? Yes. What? <laughs> the season three premiere of Rick and Morty had a scene where Rick was like, he's in like a like a fake, like a computer program, like a virtual reality or something. And so he's taking advantage of the virtual reality to go to McDonald's and get Szechuan dipping sauce for his chicken McNuggets because he loved it. Like the character loved it when it was released for a limited time when Mulan came out mm-hmm. and wanted to taste it again. And that the popularity of that show took the world by storm. And then so many people demanded that McDonald's re-release their Szechuan sauce that they actually did briefly in 2017. Unbelievable. <laughs> Which was only ever available before that when Mulan came out. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. Mulan was the first Disney movie ever released on DVD in November 1999. Oh, man, that was the time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, it was also the final Disney animated musical until The Princess and the Frog came around in 2009, which we'll talk about shortly. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I've never seen The Emperor's New Groove, but I just assumed that was a musical. I think a lot of stuff had, like, music scenes but like not scenes of the characters singing because mm. like i know that there are songs like popular songs written for stuff like tarzan mm-hmm. but i guess that means that like the characters themselves weren't singing them like in a huh. musical oh wow i wasn't expecting that one uh budget of this movie was 90 million which sounds high to me but i mean i don't know what goes into making these movies <laughs> man that sounds like a lot for 98, yeah. Box office was 304.3 worldwide, which was a bit of a disappointment. Like, this was around that time, like, post-Lion King, when 
you know, Disney had been up on cloud nine making Buku bucks off of all of their animated releases. And then the magic was beginning to wear off, uh, based on, I don't know exactly what, but I feel like it's just like the action bent of it. Like it's, yeah, maybe it seems like different enough. I feel like, yeah. So that's Mulan. Huh. I'm glad to finally knock it off yeah. the old bucket list. I concur. Since you've seen it, is the live action one worth watching? Because I'm not typically a big fan of the idea of doing um, live action remakes of these movies. Probably not. I would say. <laughs> I don't think it's bad. I just don't. I mean, if that's how you kind of feel, I don't know if there's. I mean, I'll. I mean, spoiler, but there's like Wushu is not in it, in any form really. There's like kind of like a, like a phoenix kind of character that like is almost like a a waypoint for her, but doesn't really mm. interact with it doesn't talk nothing like that so that's like a big change which unsurprising really um there are some good bits of action i mean i don't know Mizzy, it's hard for me to say because i don't know if it's just you know automatically just being the live action remake will sour you i mean i think it always will um i got the impression that mulan there were some significant changes which might make it i don't know more watchable but Based on the couple that I've seen, I have not liked what I've seen thus far, so I generally yeah. just steer clear of the live-action remakes. I kind of would be curious to see what you thought of it. I mean, it has it has action, because if it's still mm-hmm. just the same, you know, it has the, the mountain scene is there, the, the end scene is pretty similar. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I came out of it, like, I liked it. I don't know, like, but it's also, like, the only live-action remake I've seen. Cricket or no cricket? Uh, no cricket. Deal breaker. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, shall we move on to film number two? Indeed. All right. Next up, we have the aforementioned Princess and the Frog from 2009. Mama, I don't have time for dancing. That's just gonna have to wait a while. Ain't got time for messing around. And it's not my style. This old town can slow you down People taking the easy way But I know exactly where I'm going Getting closer and closer every day And I'm almost there I'm almost there People down here think I'm crazy But I don't care So Disney had announced, and I remember this, in 2004, after Home on the Range, that that would be their last traditionally animated movie because right around that time they acquired Pixar. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I guess the, the the feeling was that you know the box office had been slowly shrinking for the majority of their you know, 2D animated stuff and CG movies were on the rise, like starting in, I think it was 95 with Toy Story. And so right. we were close to a decade after that. And those movies were only getting more and more popular and DreamWorks animation was around and everything. But after the full acquisition of Pixar in 2006, uh, new Disney president Ed Catmull and chief creative officer John Lasseter decided to reverse the decision 
Mm. So with the plan of making Princess and the Frog, they specifically, I guess like two years earlier in 2004 when they announced that they were basically shutting down the 2D animation department, uh, a bunch of these animators just like left and had no jobs or Mm. had to go find work elsewhere. And then when they reversed the decision, they apparently tracked down like a ton of them and rehired them specifically for this project, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, so they brought in uh, Ron Clements and John Musker to direct the movie and write it. And they had a proven track record with stuff like uh, they directed Little Mermaid and Aladdin in addition to Hercules and The Great Mouse Detective and some other things. And I guess their thinking was, if we're going to take another shot at this, we want to bring in some guys we know know what they're doing. Right. So. But from what I read, they actually did give them the choice, like, hey, we want you guys to come and make another movie for us, but if you want to do CG, that's okay. But of course, these guys being fans of the classic 2D animation, you know, they were bringing it back at the company and they jumped at the opportunity to try again. Like that one last chance. Absolutely. I I feel like 99 out of 100 would do it. Yeah. So... Uh, Princess and the Frog, um, you know, everybody's heard the whole... The basic concept of like, oh, there's a prince who's been turned into a frog and he needs to be kissed by a princess and he'll turn back into a human and they'll fall in love or whatever. Mm -hmm. I guess this movie was inspired by two different sources, one being like that classic fairy tale. But then there's another like children's story called The Frog Princess, which they also drew from. I didn't know anything about that one. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like a combination of the two. Basic premise here is that uh, the main character, Tiana, grew up in New Orleans, loving to cook because of her father always wanting to open a restaurant. Uh, She's kind of on the lower income bracket and has been, you know, keeping her chin up and scrimping and saving for years to get the money to open the restaurant that her now deceased father always wanted to. And uh, just when she has the money, somebody else comes in and like offers to pay more for the place that she was going to buy to open her restaurant. And simultaneously a prince comes to town and he's taken advantage of because of his riches by a voodoo man who they call the shadow man, but his actual character Mm. name is Dr. Facilier. But I think he's the only one who ever says his own name. Um, Everyone else just calls him the shadow man. Right. Turns him into a frog so that, the shadow man and the prince's former, like, uh, I think they call him his valet, uh, can like marry into this rich family in the bayou and, uh, you know, pretend to be him and then get all the money. And then through a crazy series of circumstances, the prince and Tiana both get turned into frogs. And, uh, the prince has to be kissed by an actual princess by midnight for some reason to turn them both back into humans. For reasons. Yeah. A little more of a complicated premise here. Certainly. I had seen this movie back in 2010, and I know that I liked it, but I have to be honest, I didn't retain a single goddamn thing about this movie (laughs) from when I saw Mm -hmm. it the first time. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I think I was just working under the assumption that it was like an average movie, like I didn't remember a ton, so it must not be great. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, maybe it was low, low expectations based on that, like what I thought my previous viewing was, but man, I had a blast watching this one again. I mean, it's a great movie. Yeah. There's, there's no denying it. Like, um, and it feels like 
like the circumstances of it being made, you can like feel going out in the production. Like the animation is so good. Yeah. And it's so like extra, even like within the first like couple scenes, I was like, cause I watched uh, Moana. Well, I watched Moana first, then Mulan, then Princess and the Frogs. So I wanted to end on something I hadn't seen already. So I still think Mulan looks amazing. I mean, it's because that that old school kind of animation. But this is like next level animation, I feel like. I agree. Like, Mulan looks good. Um, there's nothing wrong with the look of Mulan. Right. But I, I did read, and I don't exactly know what this means, but the uh, the filmmakers chose to attempt to base their animation style in this movie on that of Lady and the Tramp, which is like a much more, much older, more classic Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, has its own look and feel. I don't know exactly how they achieved it, but uh, I, like without sounding like demeaning to Mulan and its visual mm-hmm. style, like that movie almost feels, I don't even know how to put it into words, like more simple. streamlined. Yeah, there's a simpler look. Like they had like worked out this way of like, all right, now we can like crank it out. And it's not, it, uh, not saying it looks bad. Right. But, like, it feels like they put heart and soul into, oh, like, yeah. all of the character animations and stuff in Princess and the Frog. Like, there's some scenes in Princess and the Frog. It's like I was saying early on where I was like, I don't, I'm not, I'm a fan of animation, but I'm not a student of it. So I don't know the ins and outs particulars of how they make it. But, like, just, again, comparing it to Mulan just because I watched it the day before. But, like, if you, in... I don't know, 10 seconds of on-screen animation. If that's, you know, a hundred cells that have to be drawn out, then Princess and the Frog felt like it was 150. Like there was extra, <laughs> yeah, like minute changes, like in every second of the movie. I was like, this is, looks, this looks unreal. Yeah. Like I said, I don't even know really how to put it into words, but like, I, if I had to be honest, I think that the frog designs are kind of bland. Like, yeah. Not my favorite oh. thing in the world. They're pretty generic looking. I was going like, to, we would get into that for sure. The alligator character is amazing looking. Millsy, we're like, we're all like on some hive mind action tonight because <laughs> yes, like I told Megan when we were watching it, cause she had seen all of these already. She didn't, rem- it's kind of the same thing. She didn't remember much from Princess and the Frog, mm-hmm. but you know, we're watching it again. I had no idea the story the setting anything i didn't i was like i'm sure there's a frog in there but i didn't know <laughs> you know she's gonna turn a frog none of that i was like i mean i'll say like love the movie like the frog characters don't do much for me part of it being their design they're so very plain simple. looking so plain and she was but i was like i was like give me more of that alligator god he just looked i i don't know how or to put it into words really but he looked and felt like a classic like something from yeah the Robin Hood Disney animated movie or uh, Jungle Book or something like yeah oh yeah the just the movement of the character how you know quote unquote animated he is the mm-hmm. facial expressions just like his over like I was saying before like when you simplifying these characters but having like a good silhouette he's got like this like kind of like odd bulky shape to him like you wouldn't necessarily like nine out of ten people like wouldn't draw a cartoon alligator this way but they unlocked something that made it like perfect to which i was like 
I was like, you know, I was like, the frogs don't really do it for me, but I was like, man, I could watch a whole movie of that alligator, like joining <laughs> the jazz band. Like, <laughs> he was so good. And on top of that, just his character was super lovable and yeah. funny. Louis. Uh, like he's exactly what you want the like animal sidekick to be. Yeah. Which is yeah. funny because the two main characters are animals themselves for most of the film, but. Right. Uh, and then on top of it all, I have no idea who Michael Leon Woolley is. I looked him up, and the only thing I really recognize that he's done he, is he was in Dreamgirls, which mm-hmm. I've never seen. But he, as the voice, like, it all came together in a magical way, yeah. that character. Like, his voice performance was perfect <laughs> for the alligator. I loved yeah, him I mean, so much. The, the alligator around. is, like, the the shining light of this movie for me. Yeah, I was like, he's, like, my he favorite sucks. part. From when he first shows up. He's got a trumpet for no reason other than that. It's, Tiny it's little fantastic. trumpet compared to yeah. his giant fat body. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I loved it. And then, so I had completely forgotten about Ray the Firefly. And when he shows up, I did have a little bit of that feeling of like, oh, we've already got the alligator. These mm-hmm. guys are already frogs. Like, do we need another animal character to tag along and be a sidekick? But right. I got to be honest, before very long, I mean, especially by the time he talks about Evangeline, like mm-hmm. uh, the star that mm-hmm. he thinks is a firefly that he's in love with. <laughs> right. Man, I started to f- love that character, yeah. too. <laughs> I mean, he's like a Cajun firefly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like if you write that down on paper, I'll be like, yeah, I think I'm going to dig that. And sure enough, I mean, I'll, I'll come on and say it. I totally liked those two more than the frogs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like the frogs characters in general, but like the frogs themselves as frogs, nah. Right. Uh, Jim Cummings, the guy that did the voice of Ray, has seemingly been in every goddamn Disney movie since Aladdin. <laughs> uh, he's in Aladdin, Lion King, a goofy movie, Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, Hercules, and that's when I stopped writing down stuff that he was in because it's just everything. He's in Good. everything. Good if it's him. a Disney movie, he's done a voice in it. <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah, but he uh, he apparently really was from, like, the bayou, so they mm-hmm. knew that he could do, like, this Cajun accent well, so that was the reason that they chose him for this. But Yeah, he's found spot on. Yeah, he was great. I loved uh, Mama Odie, mm-hmm. that character. Sh- shoeless was, Mama Odie, yep. Yeah, amazing. Um, she's kind of like a... Like a voodoo witch doctor, kind of like the, you know, the good guy version of the villain who we'll talk about him in a minute, but played by Keith David. Mm -hmm. Mama Odie was voiced by Jennifer Lewis, who's in like Sister Act, and she does a voice in the Cars movies, but I also don't know a lot about her, but she's not in it a ton, but she was a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Another character that's just like animated in such a lively way that I really dug. I guess part of it also, like, a difference that you could say between Mulan and this movie is that Mulan is more of a serious story, and this is just a lot more, like, lighthearted fun. Like, just, yeah. th- this isn't about a war and, like, your honor and, and all this stuff and, right. like, someone trying to take over and, like, kill the entire kingdom or whatever. Oh, I mean, right, yeah, right. there's a bad guy in this, and he's yeah. doing bad he's things. scary but... and stuff, but. Yeah, like this movie, much more than Mulan, offers opportunity for like a fucking singing, dancing, trumpet playing alligator to run around. Right. right. uh, I dug that about it for sure. Oprah Winfrey is in the movie as Tiana's mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terrence Howard plays her father. Yeah, he can can go, but. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not like a big fan of Terrence no. Howard in general, but I might uh, you know. I might be on record on this show. I don't like Terrence Howard. I especially don't like his voice for so for him to be a voice actor. It's <laughs> a problem for me. Yeah, I don't think I ever would have known it was him if I didn't read up about it. He's only in like one scene in this no, movie. No, I could but, tell uh, that damn voice of his. And whiny. <laughs> have you ever seen Hustle and Flow? No. That's the one movie I legitimately like him in that I've seen. Like I mean, maybe could, he's good in other stuff, but I'm not too. a fan. But I like Hustle and Flow. Have you ever seen Dead Presidents? I have. Is he in that? He is. I mean, it's he's been a like, long time since I've seen it, but I do like Dead Presidents. I love that movie. I've seen it a bunch of times. He's the asshole from the pool hall. People have seen it. Will probably remember him. He, he cuts a uh, main dude in the face with a switchblade. Yeah. He's just an asshole in that movie. And I remember I that him scene, in, but God, it's been so long since I've seen it. <laughs> I hate him in Iron Man. I'm so glad they got rid of him for Don Cheadle. Yeah, Don Cheadle oh, no. for life. Put that on yeah. a shirt. <laughs> All right, let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, uh, yeah, so it's just, I was glad he died in this movie. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I was wow. glad I did have to hear, but I just, yeah, not a Take fan. that, Tiana. I feel like that's something I would say. Hear that come out of your mouth. Ooh. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Fired up. But uh yeah, getting to the point here. Keith David. I mean so good as the bad guy. I wish he was in it more. Yes. I mean to the amount I was so excited because I didn't look I, like I said, I didn't look into this movie beforehand. I didn't want to know it. I was like sometimes most of the time on the show, like these movies I don't haven't seen or I don't know a lot about, that's how I want to go in. So mm-hmm. I mean I was into it with the the setting. Like I love New Orleans. In real life, so it was exciting for this. This is how it was set with everything with the bayou and just the voodoo angle, and then him, and then it was Keith David. And I was like, damn, I was like, oh, he's got a gap in his teeth, just like Keith David, too. This <laughs> <Yep>. is amazing. <laughs> yeah, they, they gave him the gap in the teeth, and then they based a lot of the mannerisms directly on his like performance, um, like his act- actual movements. Mm-hmm. which I think is cool. Yeah, he he's a great voice for this character. Like I say, I just wish he was in it more. Um just right. because you know, as the villain, he like helps set up the story and then disappears for a lot of the movie until they get back to yeah. You know, where everything's going to take place at the end, but Yeah, he's pulling strings kind of throughout and he's creepy. He's great another great character design. Mhm. I love all the like other shadow characters and oh, stuff yeah. that he's always you yeah, know, totally teamed up with and mm-hmm. that scene where he like goes to like the council of the people from the other side and it's all those like glowing masks on the wall is really cool. Mm-hmm. So I dug all that. Yeah, oh yeah, the yeah, that bit with the masks, like the all the shadows are like again, everything in this movie is like animated to the 10th degree, like mm-hmm. looks amazing and those him and the shadows are no different. Yep. So the best friend character of Tiana, who, you know, Tiana is the poor black girl. The Her, like, friend from childhood is uh, Charlotte LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, the rich entitled white girl. I feel like that would be a really easy character to dislike. Mm-hmm. And she is a little oblivious and, you know, materialistic, but... That is another character like the alligator who is just shot out of the cannon and feels like, you know, like I know a lot of times on these movies, they'll have like one person or a small team who always animate the same character just to have like consistency with that character throughout the movie. Yeah. This character feels like she was animated by someone 
work who used to work on Looney Tunes cartoons in like the <laughs> 1950s or something like she just has a look and mm-hmm. like a style and like a movement that feels like it's from a completely different universe and it makes her so unique and fun to watch cuz you like that was like one of the time when I was like first noticing like wow this thing is like animated unlike anything I've seen in a while I think it was like her first scene where she, she's in as an adult in the restaurant yeah <laughs> And it's just like I was. That was like a blowing, blow me away scene. Of yeah, like how well that was animated. Yeah, the whole movie looks good, but there's certain characters and certain elements of it that just mm-hmm. jump off the screen, and she's one of them. And I loved her character so much. Just like mainly every time she was on screen, it was just fun to watch her move around and yeah, that energy that she brought to it, so good. Then playing her father is John Goodman as right. Eli Big Daddy LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> who, mm-hmm. like, it's funny, I watched this movie, like, three or four days ago, and then, like, two days ago, I was talking to a friend who, apropos of nothing, mentioned that he knew a girl who moved to New Orleans a couple years ago and is a dog groomer and grooms John Goodman's dog because yeah. apparently he owns a house and spends a lot of his time in New Orleans Oh, come on. And then I read that as trivia because he's in this movie as well. And I just thought that was a weird coincidence. But like John Goodman actually lives in New Orleans. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. In this movie. And I like him Him in this too. Like great cast in this. Great. Just oh, yeah. Anika Nini Rose uh, from Dreamgirls also plays Tiana. She's great. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting things, you know, we talked with Mulan about how a lot of the characters had a different actor or actress for their speaking roles versus their singing roles. Fun fact, this is the first Disney animated musical since Beauty and the Beast that all of the spoken voice cast also did their own singing. Oh, that's cool. So something else that they brought back. Yeah. There's just, I don't know. This movie's just a lot of fun. Like Mulan, I enjoyed and, uh, you know, it's got a good story and everything, but like I said, kind of in a good way, in a bad way, that movie just all of a sudden it felt like it was over and not that that's necessarily bad or good, but it made me kind of feel like it, I don't know, like there wasn't a lot that like jumped out and really dragged me into it. Like there's cool moments like the, you know, the mountaintop action or whatever. Yeah. But this movie, just like little moments, spending time with like the characters on their little road trip kind of thing. Uh, it's less plot based and more just like character arc stuff that I really enjoyed. And yeah, they they put they put the time in there to like build up the 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 frog relationship. Mm-hmm. Bruce Campos, who does the voice of Naveen, Prince Naveen, also someone I've never heard of before, but uh, I thought he was really good as the voice of the frog. Mm. Yep. <laughs> he. I looked him up to see what he's done. He was on some episodes of Nip Tuck. I've never seen this movie, but he was in The Mimic 2, the sequel to the... Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> the Guillermo del Toro monster movie. Mm-hmm. His claim to fame, I guess, but... Yeah, I wasn't familiar with him either. Mm-hmm. I, I, so far, like, these two movies, like, I love them both for different reasons. Like, I'm... It's, it's funny, because I'm, like, conflicted, where Mulan is simple, not a lot of scenes... I mean, I do think like Princess of the Frog is complicated mm-hmm. just because it's the, that's the nature of how the movie goes. 
both have great characters. I mean, this Princess and the Frog almost feels like an animation renaissance in its own because of how it came about and how it looks. And Mulan's like back to like the more like traditional, the stuff we grew up with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was a, a great experience just watching them back to back because they're so like vastly different, but just, yeah. it's just a all big bundle of gorgeous animation. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, the real unfortunate thing is that, uh, you know, they really came back with a vengeance with this movie and I think made something that, it, especially visually, is very special. Mm-hmm. Budget on this one was $105 million, only did 269 at the box office. And I mean, for all intents and purposes, that's nothing to scoff at. That's more than double what it cost. But Princess and the Frog, I read that uh, apparently, like, you know, they decided to bring back the 2D animation. Princess and the Frog was like their big... Their, their big return. Mm-hmm. And then because it failed to quote unquote ignite the box office, all other uh, films in production that were planned to be traditionally hand animated were then switched to CGI. Ugh, such a drag. Including the at the time titled Rapunzel, which became Tangled, and The Snow Queen, which became Frozen. Oh, man. Both of those movies were in pre-production planned to be 2d hand animated films it just bothers me to think like i mean it's easy i guess for people to equate like the problem with this movie not making it as much is it's because it was hand animated but like i just can't believe that yeah uh i mean i think that i can't believe that that's actually like a real factor even though the numbers would say that it is and i think it's less that it's hand animated and more that people are now used to the cg animated stuff but uh speaking to that subject the uh i don't know if he still is but at the time president of disney ed catmull believed that Disney's insistence, like the other people's insistence on using the word princess in the title, mm-hmm. which he was against, mm. potentially led audiences to think that the movie was like a girly movie. Mm. He thinks that that could have potentially hurt it. I don't remember what he wanted to call it, but he didn't think that they should have the word princess in the title. And then the other thing is the movie came out like the week before Avatar. Mm-hmm. And oh, then geez. that movie pretty much dominated the box office for like six months. Huh. And I mean, people Princess and the Frog that, is not a strong title. Yeah. Well, so to that, they at, at some kind of like shareholders thing, uh, like before the movie came out while they were working on it, uh, Disney showed off some early presentations of some of the songs and some of the art and stuff. And uh, they gained a lot of criticism from different groups for different things about the movie. One of them being the, at the time, working title, The Frog Princess. And it's just crazy to me that, like, enough people complained about this that they changed it. But people were complaining that they were offended because frog is a derogatory term for French people. Oh. And so they didn't want to call it The Frog Princess. So they changed it to The Princess and The Frog, which, I mean, still has that word in the title. Like, yeah. Uh, other things that they changed were Tiana's name was originally Maddie, and apparently uh, people were not happy with the fact that it sounds so close to Mammy, which is like mm. considered a troublesome it? name yeah. for a black oh, yeah. character. 
That was a good call on their part. Tiana's original profession was chambermaid, and they changed it to waitress, oh. which I think is probably a good decision, also. especially considering how the whole food and culture thing works into the movie yeah. so much. And just her having a restaurant. Yeah, totally. Like, I would hate to have lost that crazy, cool, stylized animation sequence at the beginning when they're in, like, the, the rundown building that's going to be the restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. I forget the name of the artist, but that was based on an actual African-American artist's, like, style, like, well-known style. Mm-hmm. And that sequence looks fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, stylized, like, 2D kind of images. And uh, Tiana's love interest was also apparently uh, the the place that he comes from, Prince Naveen, Moldonia or something. It's not a real place. He was apparently originally going to be, I don't know if it was white, but non-black. And they apparently, a lot of people took issue with that as well. So they changed that to have him and Tiana look a little Mm. more similar, considering she was the first Mm -hmm. black Disney princess. And I mean, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of of controversy surrounding this movie before it even made it out. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if that didn't help it, but... I mean, I as well kind of, you know, I saw this movie uh, the year after it came out in 2010. It's not like I've been singing its praises for years or anything, but man, like I said, I had a blast rewatching this I mean, and feel like I've like discovered it in a way that I didn't even the first time I saw I it. I mean, I was I certainly wasn't expecting it. I had, I had zero expectations for this movie, like I said, because I knew nothing about it, but yeah, it certainly delivers. Mm-hmm. I mean... That's just a damn shame that this is where it had to came back around and ended all in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you that know. that really sucks that there can't yeah. be like, you know, we always talk about um, like CG versus practical effects and like, oh yeah, why can't they coexist a little more? Like, why does everything have to be CG? Right. I right. feel the same way about this. Like, why can't Disney do some more two D animation? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess it really all is just a numbers game, and we'll talk about Moana's box office compared to something like Princess and the Frog in a minute, but uh, mm-hmm. it's just it's just sad, especially after seeing what they achieved with this movie's visuals. Yeah, totally. It looks so good. I mean, it's just the, the backgrounds in Princess and the Frog are, like, unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, the they are so gorgeous. I mean, of course, but, like, we didn't even touch on like the background, like the p- painted backgrounds. I think they were done like in Photoshop, like digitally painted, whatever. Uh, they look amazing. Mm-hmm. So detailed. Again, back to like how Moana looks. It's got the more just simpler time backgrounds and everything. But man, they wasted like no bit of time with the Princess and the Frog backgrounds. They look stunning. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I read that they. For the backgrounds, they moved to uh, Cintiqs versus uh, like mm. traditional painting. So you may be right about the Photoshop yeah. thing. Yeah. But it all looks incredible. I mean, regardless yeah, of how it was accomplished. Amazing. Yeah, but so. still, however, it's painted digitally or traditionally. It's just it's still a painting like, you know, cells moving over a background painting. So. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Oof. It's just just a shame. Yeah. Uh, final anecdote about this one, uh, Jennifer Hudson, Alicia Keys, and Tyra Banks were all considered for the role of Tiana. Ooh, okay. And, uh, Beyonce was a front runner, but lost out on the role because she refused to audition. Oh boy. <laughs> so. Give me a break. Divas. <laughs> I think the movie was just fine without her. Yeah. So, shall we move on to our third and final film? I'm ready. All right. 
Jumping ahead to 2016, we have Moana. I've been staring at the edge of the water Long as I can remember Never really knowing why I wish I could be the perfect daughter But I come back to the water No matter how hard I try Every turn I take, every trail I track, every path I make, every road leads back to the place I know where I cannot go, where I long to be. See the line where the sky meets the sea, it calls me. And no one knows how far it goes. If the wind in my sail on the sea stays behind No telling how far I'll go. I know everybody on this island. The story of a girl growing up on a Polynesian island, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ancient Polynesian island. And, uh, you know, the thing that we talked about earlier where it's kind of like a uh, traditional family who is all about, like, staying put. And she has a desire to, like, go out and see the world some and... Uh-huh. Explore the ocean, and uh, then toss in a demigod named Maui, voiced by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who, interestingly, is based on a real like folklore demigod from the region. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, they are trying to return the heart of Tefiti. Is that the right name? It is an island that. Uh, you know, since it lost its heart has been negatively affecting the environment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go ahead and dive right into this. The budget for this movie was between 150 to 175 million. Lost scratch. Yeah. I mean, it's more than princess and the frog, which was one Oh five box office for this movie. A mere seven years after princess and the frog, mm-hmm. 690.8 million. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the numbers don't lie, I guess. Yeah. But so many factors go into it, but yeah, yeah, it's just a shame that the average viewer like sees more value right. in CG than traditional animation, seemingly. But it's it, to hear you say it or for me to say it, it still just doesn't even sound right because to me, I just want to immediately be like, if this was hand animated, what's to say it, did, it wouldn't make the same amount of money if every other factor was the same? Yeah, and I'll like, tell you, this movie looks goddamn incredible like the colors and everything like there is nothing i don't like about the look of this movie and there's no part of me that's like this should have been hand animated no of course i will say that a thought that i had routinely through the movie is so there's an element of this film that the ocean is like alive and has like a personality and there's a lot of scenes on boats in the ocean with like waves and like storms and stuff and i kept thinking to myself i would love to see what all this water would have looked like animated, like princess and the frog, like level, like hand animation, like those parts where the water is like alive and it's like coming up, like, Mm -hmm. you know, looks like the abyss. Yeah. A little bit. And then it's Mm -hmm. like swirling around and like the parts where she, where the water kind of parts for Moana when she like walks out into it and it's like, she's walking on the ocean floor and everything. I would have loved to have seen what that would have looked like. Not that I'm right. saying I would prefer it, but just the idea of it. Yeah, it's kind of just a thing. thought it's that I had while watching it. But yeah. uh, it's like I just I have a hard time thinking like that. 
would have negatively impacted the box office, but we'll never know. That being said, I yeah. mean, Moana looks amazing, like you already God, said. This movie looks phenomenal. There's plenty of CG animated movies out there, and most of them look quite good, but the combination of the like technical prowess of the people who made it and like the actual like just CG work with the color palette and the like locations and scenery is mm-hmm. fucking incredible. I mean, like, I just want to fucking eat this movie up. It looks yeah. so good. It makes you think like um, you're watching it and you're like, I've never seen the color blue look like it does in this movie. <laughs> right. Or like, does I've never seen lava up close, but is it even nearly as beautiful as it looks in this movie? Like it's unreal. The stuff they could do. Yeah. Gorgeous to say every bit of this movie is gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. This movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I saw this in the theater in 2016 and loved it right from the word go. Mm-hmm. Same. This was only the second time I'd seen it. This is one where I had been meaning to get back around to it. I've owned the Blu-ray since like the week it came out. Oh yeah. Uh, not that I need it now with Disney Plus, but you know me, physical yeah. media for life. I should already have that on a shirt. Yeah, seriously. I've watched this uh, probably at least a half a dozen times. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been on. It was on like heavy rotation. I mean, Megan loved it. When, I loved it when we saw it in the theater. She can belt out the jams like you can't even imagine, <laughs> which this movie has plenty of. Next time you guys watch it and she starts singing along, you got to sneak out the oh, old uh, camera oh, and record me a little video. I mean, you'd love it, Bills. Don't you? <laughs> now, now, when it comes up, do you uh, sing You're Welcome? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of all, of the three, I think, Moana's got the best jams overall. I'd say it has the catchiest tunes for sure. Oh, sure. But I just, overall, I just think it's the, my favorite. I probably, of of the three movies, I think like Shiny is probably like my favorite song out of all three of them. That's just, I love it in the theater. I love it every time I hear it. Which one is that? That's the, the uh, Crab Guy song. Oh, right. (laughs) The David Bowie homage. (laughs) Yeah. So. I mean, the, the, the rock is, uh, he's great in this. I mean, I, the, this movie, Felix, it has the rock factor at the time, 2016. I mean, he's, I don't know if it's uh, the height of his popularity or if he's if he's still in that or not. But I would um, say it's definitely nestled in that height. I don't know how long yeah. it has lasted or will last, but yeah, right. it definitely feels like it's there. I mean, I think a huge part of why this movie is what it is is because he's in it. And he's so good in it too. So yeah, I mean, maybe that box office is because of the rock, not because of the CG. I mean, I that argument I feel like could be made, and I wouldn't <laughs> deny it. I mean, yeah, you know, big stars put asses in seats. I mean, he, 2016, he was doing it, especially in any animated movie where he could sing too. I mean, yeah. So, which apparently he was very self conscious about, but you know, he has the mm-hmm. one song, and I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. So this is another case of, uh, you know, the. Less so with um, Princess and the Frog, the thing that I was talking about where a lot of these movies have the story about like the, the, the parental figure who wants the child to grow up to be a certain thing and then they want to go on their own path and by the end like they realize they could have been a little more subtle about it and the parents also realize that they have to let the kids be their own thing. Princess the Frog has uh, a little bit of that, but it's more of just like the expectations of society rather than like her mother and father who like always wanted her to do her her thing. Yeah. But 
this is another perfect example like Mulan for me of like, I see that trope. Like it's, it's all over the beginning of the movie, especially, but the characters are so strong and the premise is so strong and the music and the visuals are so strong that it's just like, I'm perfectly fine to have that reliable old backbone when Mm. all of this other great stuff is heaped on top of it. I mean, by the time you get to like the coconut pirate people, (laughs) Yes. And then following that right up the uh the fucking shiny crab scene. Mm-hmm. This movie just has so much like variety and like the first yeah. time I saw the movie, I don't know what I thought of that crab scene cuz it is so like out of left field right. <laughs> with the rest of the movie. But obviously eccentric. I love Jemaine Clement and I love yeah. uh you know the uh the song but mm-hmm. The visuals in that scene also different from everything else where it's like dark because it's at the bottom of the ocean and then you've got like all the fucking crazy neon lights and stuff. Oh, yeah. So good. Oh, so good. Brings a smile on my face. You're thinking about it. <laughs> Apparently the coconut pirates, uh, that whole scene, which it's funny that I read this earlier today on Wikipedia because I thought it while I was watching the movie this time is a direct purposeful homage to Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, nice. Just like the sense. giant like yeah. uh, ship instead of like a giant truck right. with like people playing the drums on it and swinging yeah, from ropes right. and everything. And <laughs> coconut guys are just there to play jams. Yeah. <laughs> Battle jams. But that's a fun part of the movie. Oh, yeah. Great action. I mean, it's great like little bits of action. I mean, I love Maui, like another great. I mean, the whole movie has great character design, but like Maui's just like stockies built like a brick with legs you know <laughs> running around and i mean moana when she like makes her way up to the top it gets the uh gets the chicken who has the jib and just makes it back down she's just like dude feels like mad max fairy road <laughs> yeah absolutely it does yeah that's a really fun scene big fun yeah, apparently uh, the original design was for Maui to be bald, but then, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people involved in this movie who come from the cultures mm-hmm. represented in it. Yeah, in fact, I think the only one who's not is Alan Tudyk, who, I mean, he does the voice of one random villager, and then he's also the quote unquote voice of Hey Hey the Chicken. Mm-hmm. What about Jermaine? Is he? Uh, he, I, I forget. Is he I didn't from write New Zealand, down. maybe? Uh, he's from New Zealand, but, uh, he has like, uh, you know, he's... Some Polynesian ancestry. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Same with, uh, Timura Morrison, who yeah, is... Yeah, Boba Fett. Yeah, Boba Fett, who now is like more popular than ever because of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But he's Moana's father. Um, Moana herself... I apologize for what I'm about to do to this name, but... Oh, boy. Here we go. Alil Cravalho. Uh, I'll go with it. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, they did, like, this crazy search to find the right actress for the movie, and they were already, like, well into animating it by the time they found her, and so the fact that she and Moana look very close to one another mm. is just complete coincidence. Oh, no way. Yeah. I read that they they had time to like put in a little bit of her mannerisms and like facial expressions, but like her actual design was completely locked in by the time they found her. Huh. And they they did like a open casting call and like thousands of people tried out and then they ended up on her. She was like a like a high school student at the time or something. 
Yeah, she's pretty young. Yeah. I think she was like, I think the movie premiered on her birth, her 16th birthday or something like that. Wow. I mean, she sounds like a natural. Yeah, she's great. I think she does all of her own singing and everything, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she does. So. Yeah, her songs are great, too. There's a lot more more songs than the other two in this, this one, I'd say. Maybe. I mean, they come back to that main song a couple of times in this one. It's at least twice, if not three times, in this Maui song, mm-hmm. crab song. There's the opening one on the island. Yeah, I don't know. I dig it all in all three movies. So, mm-hmm. no trumpet playing alligator in this one, though. No, it's certainly lacking. All movies are lacking a trumpet playing alligator. <laughs> you know what? I will say this movie has the the. I, I guess you could say the main villain, Takao, the giant volcanic creature. Like, blew my mind when I first saw that in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Just from a cool character design to just how amazing it looks on screen. Yeah, the actual execution of it, like uh, you know, because it's made out of lava, and then when it like touches the water and oh, it like uh, solidifies yeah. its hand or whatever, and then it like cracks the lava back out of the like hardened mm-hmm. husk. All that stuff is incredible, and just the smoke pouring out of it, and oh. the glowing eyes and mouth and everything. It is a it's. Oh, everything in this movie is just gorgeous to look at. Yeah. I just like every it. color somehow feels 10% brighter than any co- any yeah, version of yeah. that color you'd ever seen before. Right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Oh, so good. How do you feel about uh, the animal sidekicks in this movie? Um, The chicken is pretty like one note. I wish there was more pig. It was basically a dog. I was amazed the first time I saw it that the pig didn't go along because the pig actually yeah. had like a personality a little bit. Right. Oh, yeah. The chicken is just dumb. It's a dumb chicken. Like it's just always on the verge of killing itself out of its own stupidity. <laughs> right, right. So uh, which just... apparently I was reading originally it was intended that the pig was like very selfless and kind and the chicken had a personality and was kind of going to be more of an asshole. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they just couldn't make it work, and they were going to dump the chicken entirely. And then I forget which person in the production suggested, like, what if he's just completely stupid? Like, we keep yeah. him for the necessity, but right. he doesn't really affect anything. And I mean, that right there kind of speaks to the character. And what I would almost call my issue with him is, like, he feels so unnecessary, right down to the fact that he actually, like, does something good one time in the movie, like seems to make a conscious decision to help mm-hmm. that one time when he like grabs the, the heart of Tafiti when it's like about to go off the side of the boat or something. Right. And oddly enough, it, I know it's like a weird thing to complain about, but that moment feels false to me because <laughs> the chicken feels like it has exactly zero neurons firing in its brain right. the entire it movie. A dumb chicken. And then it actually seems to do something helpful on purpose, and it just reads wrong to me. Right. Like, he's there as comedic effect for the majority of the film, fine, whatever, but I don't know. I'm guessing that doesn't bother you at all. It's, yeah, he's just like a dumb prop that's there for the gag, and it feels like the they're going to... That's how they justify him even being there, is to, quote-unquote, save the day at some point, so... Yeah, it just it doesn't bother me. No, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a bother. It's just I wouldn't even say take hey, hey out of the movie or anything, but I would say I kind of wish that he didn't help that one time because it just <laughs> feels it feels like wrong. It's the kind of stupid shit that I complain about, like yeah. 
uh, like you watch the movie Men in Black and uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character doesn't smoke, not shown as a smoker, never smokes once in the movie, except for the one scene where they want slime to fall off the ceiling and put out his cigarette while he's smoking. Like it just annoys me when I see that scene in the movie, because it's like you changed something about the character that Mm -hmm. didn't need to be changed except for this one little moment. Right. And it just feels false. And oddly that's like my stance on the Hey, Hey thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, it's not like an, a massive sticking point or anything, but right. it is something that I remember, like, I completely forgot about it when it happened mm-hmm. this time around watching it. Yeah. I, like, immediately flashed back to not liking that in the theater either. I love it. <laughs> I love the, the, the hang up for you. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it just makes it makes it funnier to me, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a he's like a stuffed chicken. Might as well be a stuffed chicken. It's so stupid. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's he's like a wind up toy you. that just like you point right. him and then he goes and if right. he falls off the table and breaks, like whatever, he right. doesn't know or care. Right. Yeah. So the pig is kind of a non-starter because he doesn't come along. Yeah. Kind of, sort of, almost, maybe if we stretch logic a little bit, the ocean is like another almost quote unquote animal sidekick. Yeah. Kind of. It's got like a little bit of a sass to it, but yeah. it's only used when it's needed. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I mean, Maui's such like a big character physically and emotionally, you know, mm-hmm. so. And him and Moana kit together are the, you know, the, certainly the real draw. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, like I said, the pig's cool. How different could it have been if there was like two animal sidekicks? Yeah, it's not big enough boat for all that so yeah i mean honestly i feel like they didn't need the animal sidekick like with with moana and uh and maui and kind of sort of the ocean they could have just left that out entirely and it would have been like one less unnecessary trope not necessarily bad but unnecessary yeah they could have it certainly would have worked without hey hey but yeah i'm neither i don't i wouldn't miss them but i don't mind them being there either so yeah so something that I found interesting about this movie that I didn't know is that the original first, do you know who wrote the original first draft of the screenplay? I don't. Who is uncredited? No. Taika Waititi. No, no way. Yeah. The first draft? He wrote the first draft in 2012. No shit. And uh, so he left the project to focus on his family because I think he had just had a kid at the time and to start working on what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. But he more recently joked that all that remains of his first draft is exterior ocean day. <laughs> like, it's funny it. to read about or like watch special features about any of these Disney animated movies because mm-hmm. they all, like, for the most part, feel like so perfect and well defined when you watch them and just like, man, what a satisfying story and everything and like great jokes yeah. and characters and stuff. But they go through. All of them pretty much go through insane changes throughout the production. Oh, yeah. Like long productions. Like yeah. long, long, long productions. Mm-hmm. Long pre-productions on these yeah, things. Yeah, pre-production, I would say, yeah. Like they went to – I watched one of the – couple of the behind-the-scene things, and they were going they, – they for like five years were going back and forth to like Polynesian islands. Yeah. They do that kind of stuff all the time. That's another thing that you read about it is it it almost feels like uh, because every time they're going to do one of these movies that's about a different culture that's going to take place in a specific place, even something like New Orleans, which has its own like 
culture aside from like being a part of America or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's almost like how people would joke that like, uh, was it um, Adam Sandler would make a movie like Grown Ups, where it's just like a bunch of his real life friends playing characters and there's at a lake house because it's like, oh, that's fun. And it's just an excuse for him to get paid to go <laughs> hang mm-hmm. out at a lake house with his friends. It almost feels like when I was reading that, oh, they decided one of the directors of this movie, who are the same directors as uh, Princess and the Frog, was reading about Polynesian folklore. And they pitched an idea of doing about a a movie about a Polynesian demigod. And so the head of Disney was like, all right, well, uh, I'm going to send you guys on a two week, like just exploratory mission to go like see the culture and stuff like it almost feels like if you're a respected writer at Disney, you can just say like, yeah, I want to do a movie about... (laughs) France, and then they'll be like, "Okay, we're yeah. gonna send you there for a couple of weeks. Eat some baguettes." Yeah. yeah, you know they got those nice huts in Tahiti on the water. Maybe we could work up <laughs> something there. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, apparently they did do a lot of traveling back and forth, and you know, I think that that stuff probably shows it's things that I wouldn't know if it was legitimate, but there are people right. out there who would. Oh yeah, Polynesian people are well represented from uh, what I could tell here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, like the original concept was the movie was not going to be a quote-unquote princess film it was going to be about maui like moana Mm. the character wasn't even part of the original pitch concept wow and then when they decided to introduce her and do the story about her and her like interactions with maui the original premise that they gave to taika that he wrote in his draft was apparently about how she was born the only daughter into a family with like six sons. And so it was going to be more about like the male female divide and Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, the expectations kind of like Mulan of a woman versus a man in the culture during the time or whatever. Yeah. But then they decided to drop that just to focus on Moana more as a character instead of like a result of her, you know, environment. Right. So that's a good call. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to say, like, yeah, the best decision was the one that they ended up on because the movie ends up being amazing, and that's the case with most of these. But, right. yeah, just apparently a lot of things changed over time. It was a good stew they worked up there. Yeah. And uh, one other fun little thing I read about this that I don't know if I would have guessed just because you could do it with CG and you'd never know mm-hmm. is that uh, Maui's tattoos in the scenes where they focus on his little tattoo character interacting with him, Mm-hmm. Those are actually 2D hand drawn animation. Oh, no way. Yeah, which I never would have guessed. Well, that's way cool. No, me neither. And uh, that makes Moana the first Disney animated feature since Winnie the Pooh in 2011 to feature hand drawn animation. No shit. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, that's way cool. This movie also, uh, it was written like the official final like screenwriter credit was given to a guy named Jared Bush who had a hell of a year in 2016 because he was also the writer and co-director of Zootopia, which came out the same oh, year. did it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. He's doing flying high that year. Guy had a good year. Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. Like, all, you know, that unnecessarily long conversation about the usefulness of Hey Hey aside, like, there's really nothing I don't like about this one. It's just, yeah. uh, I mean, looks amazing, great music. Yeah, it's the... It's the right runtime, whatever it is. Yeah, they're all right about an hour and 40 minutes, I feel. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, it's got just such a good climax. I mean, good character arcs. I mean, it kind of just fires on all cylinders. And it looks amazing. It's kind of interesting. I like the the feeling of the fact that the movie doesn't really have a villain. 
mm-hmm. because it's one of those things where the uh, the quote unquote evil version of the island, the um, Takao. the like lava version, yeah, is more of like a misunderstood kind of character. Right, it's just like an angry character. It's not like yeah. uh, trying to destroy anything. It's like it, it's dying and everything's dying with it, kind of. Yeah, so it's not like a you know the leader of the Huns in right. Milan. Yeah, or, no, totally. Dr. Facilier from (laughs) Princess and the Frog. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I like that feeling that it's more of just like an adventure to do good rather than an an adventure to defeat somebody. Right. And it's, and you don't know that till the very end because it's not like Mm -hmm. abundantly clear that that's the original island, Tafiti. Yeah. So I don't think I I realized it the first time I saw it. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, uh, this was the first fully, well, aside from the hand-animated sequences with uh, the tattoos, the first fully CG movie made by Ron Clements and John Musker, who, as I mentioned, did like Aladdin Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, what did I say, Beauty and the Beast, um, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Hercules, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. All right, uh, sound like it's time for us to talk about some posters? Yeah, I feel like we covered it. Let's get into it. Hopefully, since these are all Disney and Disney seems to know what it's doing, uh, we don't have any garbage posters for a change that, uh, I mean, I'll come out the gate and say there's three strong posters. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I could have told you what Mulan's theatrical poster looked like. And I was a little surprised when I came upon this image Mm -hmm. all over the internet because I didn't remember it, but. This is a great poster. Yeah. The opposite for me, like I was pretty aware of this is what it was, but more, not necessarily like every minute detail, but the color scheme anyway. Because yeah, it looks amazing. Like I would hang, I would hang this up in my movie room. I think I just had in my mind the the live action poster where it's like half of her face covered by a sword. Yeah, just I don't know if there is a version of that for the animated movie, but this is the one that I saw everywhere where it's yeah. like. kind of close-up shot of Mulan on the back of the horse. Everything is tinted red. Mm -hmm. It just has a, I don't know, it looks, it's just so much more dynamic and interesting than I'd expect. Yeah, it's just, I mean, this. I would hang this one up. It looks awesome. It's a great image. Yeah, there's no, like, attempt to get, like, every freaking character in there or something. No, yeah, it's like a breath of fresh air when it comes to movie posters. Just that monochromatic look to it. Yeah. God, it's like the opposite of so many posters we complain about because it's just like, the title, right? It's the, mm-hmm. it's got a little bit of, it's got yellow, which there's like a little bit of hints of yellow, the rest of the poster, but the only white on the entire poster is the title. Yeah, and it's not a color smart. that clashes with the rest of the colors. It draws <laughs> right. your eye right there to the title because yeah. it stands out so much because of the colors. It doesn't have to be huge and taking up the top half of the poster or something. Yeah. Like people, I feel like people would be like inclined to fill that red background with something. Yeah. I'm like, but nope, you don't need to. Girl and her horse. Just a couple of like dangling uh, flags or something and yeah. you're good. It's awesome. It's a great poster. It's really maybe one of the best ones yeah. we've seen in 47 episodes. I'm with you. Uh, Princess and the Frog. A little more generic in that it's just I'm like. pretty sure I've never seen this. I remembered it when I saw it, but I think I was more familiar with the even more generic uh, box art where it's like close-up mm. images of the characters, but... Maybe that's what I know. I mean, this has like every... I'm just looking at it now, but there's like quite a few characters, and mm-hmm. everybody's pretty much represented in this, besides like the human friends and stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, so you've got like characters flanking the main image, but then like also kind of subtle with the, you know, the princess and the frog kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. It's not like close up to their faces or anything. And right, right. Uh, not as like impressive as the Mulan one, but I still think a a nice looking poster. Yeah, no, it is. I'm not as crazy about the logo for this one. Just the choice to make uh, the word frog like look so the contrast the rest of it so much. I mean, I guess it makes sense, yeah. but it's a little too like uh, I don't even know what's it's like a little. Not, I mean, this is a kid movie, but a little too like kiddie feeling. Mm-hmm. Like didn't. Just where it didn't need to be. It's probably the more just the extremes between princess and frog and how they're so vastly different. Yeah, so this one, like, it's a very good poster. It's nice looking. Mm-hmm. It's, it man, coming up against Mulan, though, that's tough. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, Moana. It's got everything in there. It feels mm-hmm. a little generic itself. Yeah, I mean, it's just the characters kind of standing there looking at you. Yeah. it It is that thing where it's got, like, all the main characters represented there and... Mm-hmm. It even feels weird to have the pig on there because the pig is in the movie for like yeah. four and a half minutes of screen yeah. time. Right. If that. Yeah. But, you know, you get the color scheme and everything. I mean, it works. It's not the most exciting thing, but it's not ugly either. So mm-hmm. just naturally the like style of the the character design and like the colors of the environment and everything make it appealing. Yeah. Even though it's not like the most amazing thing in the world. Right. At least, like, the other two feel like standalone art where they just this just feels like a shot from the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Break it down for the people, Mills. Let's see. I am going to give five animal sidekicks to Mulan. It deserves Ooh, them. I like <laughs> it. But we don't throw around a lot of fives. So. No, that's a great poster. It's just. It, I mean, it is. It is. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's not too self-indulgent. It's subtle enough, yeah. Yeah. If I saw that in a theater, it would make me go, ooh, I want to know more about that. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other ones, I mean, I feel like they tell you enough to where it it wouldn't make me as curious about them. Where Mulan, there's like a, it's intriguing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't really think there's there's anything wrong with Moana. It's not nope. like the most amazing thing in the world. I'll give it uh, three gems plucked from the back of a giant singing crab at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, Princess and the Frog, I will also give three, but this time mm. it will be three sparkling stars in the night sky. Oh, look at you. <laughs> well done. Five, three, and three. I, I think I would have gone the same way. Fair enough. Well done, Millsy baby. All right. Uh, moment of truth. Oh, man. Is it about that time? Yeah. Barbara burn. Party time. It's got to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to go first or shall I? Yeah. I'll go first. By all means. I mean, this is a fun episode. These are three great movies. All for different reasons. Love the love the animated goods. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. An easy buy for me is Moana. I think it just it uh, delivers on all in all regards, music, characters, character design, animation, look, cast, does it for me. Uh, this one is like the most, and has the most like rewatchability. So, 
gets right into the buy category. No problem. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, I still even feel the same. Like I'm conflicted on the other two. Like nothing's getting launched into the sun here, obviously. Yep. Because they're all so good. Mulan is like more my kind of story versus Princess and the Frog. It's simple in just like story, which is fine. Like it's not overly complicated. It's like I said, my kind of story. Like few set pieces, like we said, it's like four scenes. <laughs> yeah. Never anything wrong with that either. Princess and the Frog is like the opposite of that. A lot of set changes, a lot, lot going on. Mm-hmm. So it kind of breaks down to like there's things I dislike about both. I mean, like I said, like Mulan, Mushu doesn't really do it for me. That's probably like a, the biggest part for me, I think. I kind of like every other bit with Princess and the Frog. There's so much to like. I don't, I'm not crazy about, I don't think necessarily the movie drags, but when they both get turned into frogs, isn't as like exciting as a movie for me, for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. just in the middle, it kind of slows a little bit. That stuff, it's, it's good, but it's not like crazy. I just wasn't crazy about the two frog characters, the, the way they look just like that, that way the story went. I mean, I think it, the movie starts and ends stronger than the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, that one being said, this like how we went on and on. The animation is just like so top notch. Coming into this, I was like pretty sure how I was going. But I think as the night goes on, I'm thinking about it more. I would say my borrow is Princess and the Frog. It's just like, it, the animation is just so next level that it makes me want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Even if I have my issues with some of the story bits, but then, I mean, when you got that gator on a trumpet, you know, who brings, you know, brings a smile to my face every time. I mean, there's some great characters in this movie, the setting, you know, I love new Orleans anyways, to see the, you know, to have the complete surprise of that in the movie was just, you know, that was a joy. So I think, I think this one, this one might only be like 10 minutes longer than Mulan, but it just, it feels longer and probably just adds to it being, cause it's more complicated. Also but, Mulan feels like the shortest movie. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, that being said, just down to like the borrow aspect, it's like, yeah, it's, it just looks so good. Like enough cannot be said about how good the animation looks in this movie. Not to say it's not in Mulan, but you know, something's got to get burnt. I've seen it twice now. I still like it. I mean, think still think it's a great movie to watch, but it doesn't deliver on all aspects like the other two. So mm-hmm. that's how it is for me, baby. I can dig it. Uh, you went with your easy buy first. I'm going to go with my easy burn. Mm. Uh, like you said, nothing gets tossed into the sun, but the definite one here that's lacking a little bit for me is Mulan. Uh, so that's going to be my burn. Just, uh, I don't know if it's because like I knew the basic premise and for so long I kind of expected what it was going to be. And then not that it was that different from the kind of movie I thought it was going to be, but like we've talked about, it's just like the movie begins, they train and then it's over. And I, I, I don't know if I was expecting something more epic, like a long like war that she's a part of or something, but it's like by the time they get to that stuff, like cool battle on a mountain and then great showdown with the main villain. It's just like, there wasn't enough of that for me or something. Yeah. Like this one could have stand it to be like 10 minutes longer. Yeah. Like I don't 
think the music is super duper memorable in this one to me. No. Uh, I was kind of down on Mushu, so just uh, all told, it just didn't all stack up to me. There's plenty I like about it, but uh, it's not Mm -hmm. like a new favorite. Whereas, so Moana, I saw it in the theater, loved it immediately, new favorite. Um, Princess and the Frog, uh, I looked it up and I gave it a four back in 2010 out of five when I saw it uh, on Letterboxd. Mm -hmm. So I liked it then. But it just kind of like left my mind, and then rewatching it now, like I would call it a new favorite. So nice. It really comes down to Moana and Princess and the Frog for me, and I mean Princess and the Frog, like we said, not in love with the frog designs. They're not bad. It doesn't ruin anything for me. I think they could have been a little more interesting. And yeah. Whereas you said you felt that it maybe drags a little in the middle. Um, I like personally that road trip kind of vibe that it has where they have somewhere they're trying to get to and it gives a lot of time for like character development and stuff and then in addition you have like the uh the random funny scene that they insert that didn't need to be there but was a lot of fun with like the redneck like bayou guys trying to catch oh, them yeah. to eat the frog no, that legs was good too. Yeah, yeah. that was just straight up old school like looney tunes three stooges mm-hmm. slapstick comedy that was a lot of fun uh, this one's actually tougher than I thought because I loved Moana so much right from the moment I saw it, but I had a real blast with Princess and the Frog this time around. Yeah. I mean, this this is one of, the, honestly, the tougher decisions that I've had to make. <laughs> did you know going in tonight? Uh, Or did where were you coming into the episode? Same as you are right now? Yeah, like not 100% sure. Like, basically, mm. I, I knew that it was going to come down to these two. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of hoping that somewhere throughout the conversation it would have become clear to me where I'm going to go. Moana is so fucking solid, but I was just really surprised by Princess and the Frog this time around. I think because of the revelations, I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna just let Princess and the Frog squeak by. That's gonna be my buy. Wow, it's a surprise, but I can dig it. Uh, Moana is going to be my borrow. I mean, they're so close to interchangeable just on an enjoyment level for me at this point. Yeah. But yeah, dig the music in both. Like they're both gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous movies in like completely separate, you know, yeah. visual styles. And they're styles. on the for completely different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I was just, I was really bowled over and just had a fucking blast with Princess and the Frog this time. I mean, Princess and the Frog was like. Not on my radar. I feel like no one ever talked about it, but it was also like a different generation's Disney movie. But I mean, it was so much better than I would have even expected it to be. Yeah. I mean, I, st- I don't know if it came across as harsh on Mulan or not, but like coming in this episode, I was like pretty sure I was locked in at like Mulan was my borrow just because like that story is just a little more my style. But, mm-hmm. you know, the beauty of this thing, but it's just like when you just think about the artistic achievement of all three is huge. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, man, I could say like, like you mentioned, um, Pocahontas, which I've seen like in the past couple of years for the first time looks good, but it's, it's all in that like, kind of like simpler kind of feel like Mulan is, which isn't a bad thing, but just, Mm -hmm. it's a certain style where I don't feel like I've seen anything that looks like princess and the frog. Yeah. It looks great. And I mean, to what you were saying, like the kind of story Mulan is, I would also agree is like the kind of story that I would be drawn to. I just feel like, I don't know, the story was like 
not quite done justice with like, like I said, they, the war feels so secondary to yeah. the training. And I mean, you need the training to get to know the characters and you have time for like fun and character development and stuff in there. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it almost just, just needs like another scene yeah, somewhere. I agree. And I feel like it would, it would be a lot different. You know, Princess and the Frog, we said is kind of complicated mm-hmm. and it, I mean, it's in that way, kind of the diametric opposite of Mulan, but, um, there's just, I don't know. I can't think of a scene that I didn't enjoy or that I felt like, okay, we can't, we need right. to move on from this. Like it was constantly mm-hmm. moving and there were constantly oh, new places is, yeah. and new interactions. And yeah, so it's just not nothing like it. But then to me, just uh, Moana is just so solid. Yeah. Like it's just, it's like an A plus. It's just like, there's nothing to be changed in my eyes. Like it, it delivers on all, on all regards. Yeah. I'm really just bringing, I'm, like, the real deciding factor for me uh, at this very moment, because I have to pick one or the other, is mm-hmm. just, like, I already knew that I love Moana, and, like, I, I still do. And I was just, like, so surprised by Princess and the Frog this time around that I'm, mm-hmm. I just had such a good experience with it. Like, I watched Moana and enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I watched Princess and the Frog and was just, like, I don't know, constantly, like, wow, I'm really enjoying this. Right, right. So no, I, I don't know. It. Ask me in a week, and I may feel differently, or right. whatever. But right now, I'm going to give it to Princess <laughs> and the Frog. I'm just right. really feeling that one right now. Amen. I love that fucking alligator. The fucking alligator. Trumpet playing alligator. So good. <laughs> so like, good. So good. Uh, Was not expecting that. Yeah. I mean, probably potentially like top character like of the night, Louis. Yeah, just maybe it. all around mm-hmm. looked like one of the best characters. I mean, I'm as I've gotten older, I've gotten really bigger into like character design with cartoons and stuff and cartooning. So it's like he just delivers great design, really well animated, just fun yeah. to look at. And like, like I said, the voice actor, the writing of the character. I love that whole scene where he's got the fucking like the the pricker bush thing stuck in him. Yeah. And he's uh, taken off. And oh, Ray yeah. is like trying to pluck it out. And then as soon as he gets it plucked out, he like gets scared and jumps into the bush and he's fucking covered mm-hmm. in them. And mm-hmm. <sighs> it's just, I don't it's know. It's great. His character's great. The scene where they flash back to the one time he tried to play in a band and he like climbs up on the boat and everybody like freaks out and runs <laughs> away. And, shoot at him. Oh, so funny. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was laughing at that when they're shooting at him. And, like, um, how excited he looks when later on in the movie they think it's just a guy in a costume and they invite him to play and he, like, could not be more excited to go play his trumpet. Yeah. So good. So good. I mean, him, I like, so when I think, of like, him is my favorite from that movie, Brian, my favorite character design from Mulan was, like, Sean Yu, I would say, because yeah, he looks like the perfect villain. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Maui's just, like, so spot on. Takai, the volcano god is just like yeah the volcano is on. pretty great uh that's probably my top there but the crab is I good just, just never gonna expect i'd love the alligator with a trumpet so much but <laughs> yeah man yeah, something solid like i just love the design of moana in general as simple as she is but oh, there's yeah. things that they do with her character where like uh what part is it i think she's trying to learn how to like tie a knot and like maui yes. does this thing where he like Spins the rope around and like his his whole upper body kind of flexes when he pulls on it, and then she does mm-hmm. the same thing, and her hair like whips around in her face, and just little mm-hmm. things like that are so fun. Oh yeah, but just so solid. Yeah, Disney, some good movies people need to watch yeah, if you haven't seen yeah, them. Yeah, man, or maybe watch again if you have, as was the case for me with Princess yeah. and the Frog. There you go. 
I mean, I I could rewatch Princess and the Frog like right now. Yeah, like I, you know, we have Disney Plus, so we can watch that and any of these movies anytime we want. But you know me, I'm a physical media collector and I like to curate that collection. And mm-hmm. I was telling you before we started recording that I own only my favorite like Disney animated movies, like the classic hand-drawn ones i have plenty of pixar and i own moana and zootopia and stuff like that too but yeah like of the classics i have robin hood which i loved as a kid i have the rescuers and rescuers down under two pack mainly because i watched rescuers down under a ton as a kid i've got aladdin i've got little mermaid i've got lion king and i've got uh, beauty and the beast because that's like the birth of the disney renaissance Mm-hmm. Like I've seen Pocahontas, I like it. I've now seen Mulan, I like it. I don't necessarily feel like I have to own those, but I kind of want to buy Princess and the Frog on Blu-ray now and add it to the collection. Like, I mean, yeah. there's my stamp of like that that movie I wanted on my shelf. I don't hate it, so I want to buy it. So there, it's my buy. <laughs> I don't know if, how much I talk about it on the show, but I'm a big fan of collecting like the art of books. Mm. Um, I have the art of Moana. I would love to get my hands up. The art of Mulan, even before I saw it, was something I always wanted. It's been out of print forever, and it's real hard to come by. Uh, come to find out Princess of the Frog is nowhere, because I've been looking. I mean, there's one copy for 300 on Amazon, like Oof. that kind of thing. So, you know, if anyone ever comes uh, comes by that one anywhere, uh, drop me a line. Let me know. Either Mulan or <laughs> Princess of the Frog. But Duly noted. Uh, yeah, so... We'll see, Millsy. We both got some buying to do, apparently. <laughs> apparently. When don't I? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, shall we choose what Ooh. we're going to watch for the final episode of season four of Triple Threat? Oh, Threaten? man. How did that happen? I don't know. Time flies, my friends. <laughs> sure does. Uh, how many episodes we got? Um, let's see. Including the one that you just pitched me earlier today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have 236 potential themes. Here we go. Where are we going to land? Random number, Jenny. Mills. Ooh. I have no idea what this is, but it's got to be good. Yeah. Seven. 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 What do we got? What do we got? So think about this one. We (laughs) Oh. We had some... (laughs) (laughs) We We had some listeners... Mm. Back when we did the episode APNY, take issue with the fact that there was like pretty much no way that mm-hmm. you could discern what the theme of that episode was based on an abbreviation that means nothing right. to the average person. Correct. So in the same realm. Uh, same deal. Yeah. For next episode, the final episode of season four of Triple Threat Theater, we're going to be doing the theme SFVD. Yeah. SFVD. SFVD. It'll make perfect sense eventually. Yeah. But will anybody be able to figure it out? Hmm. Will you, listener? Tonight, you could help solve a triple threat. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, well, this will be fun. Uh, That'll be a fun uh, way to, to wrap up this, this season. This is a good ending for to a sure. season, for sure. So, uh, all about it. All right. Well, until next time, my name is Ryan Miller. I'm Joe Daxberger. Thanks for watching. So, 
That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Be happy, happy, happy.